I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, Serial fan. With another international break upon us, we take the time to reflect on the demolition derby and the state of the title race. Before moving on to discuss the crunch game in Group C, Italy welcomes Switzerland to Rome, and we welcome Mourinho to accept our award. Then Boaz keeps us up with the Italians, and we give the customary honourables. In this episode of Scudetto. Hello and welcome to another international break. It's just Boaz and I tonight as Kenny explores his home city with, with intelligence. Um, Boaz, are you doing anything with intelligence this evening? Nothing besides talking to you, of course, uh, which is a very intelligent way of spending one's time. Fantastic news. Um, and how about beer-wise? Have you uh, intelligently chosen an appropriate beverage? So my mother called me up from, they were on a day trip, and she asked me, what are those beers that you drink? And I said, I, I tend to drink an IPA. And she said, let me send you a picture. And she sent me a picture of a, a beer that you just couldn't see what the label was. And I said, hey, can you send me another picture? And there was radio silence for a few hours. And uh, today she presented me with this beer. That I think there's a typo on the bottle because Marinado is the name of the brewery. And then it says Marinado Ale Beer. <laughs> and there's no need to say both of those, I guess. But anyways, I'm going to try it. And I'm sure it's very nice. Okay, sounds interesting. I've gone with uh, one of Kenny's favorites. I say I've gone with, I found this in my fridge. I think my wife or one of her friends bought it, um, but it's a Brewdog Punk IPA, a postmodern classic, as the can says. And uh, yeah, we've discussed before, it's a, a solid center back of the uh, of the IPA. I saw that Brewdog were doing like a advent calendar for, for December, and I was very jealous that I can't get one of those here. Oh, okay, maybe I'll... Uh, Dig one out and then drink all of them yeah, on the Christmas it's, it's special. It's a bit excessive, 25 <laughs> beers in, like, that's a beer a day. Plus, the box doesn't necessarily f- fit in anyone's fridge. So you have to, like, consciously take it out in the morning, stick it in the fridge, and then drink it at 10 a.m. once you, once it's cold. <laughs> drink it. <laughs> Sorry, you have to open it and, and then stick it in the fridge, <laughs> drink it whenever you want. Okay, uh, good stuff. Maybe yeah, maybe I'll get it. We've probably got three episodes before Christmas, haven't we? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, I forget so, that we we do a good Christmas special at Scudetto HQ. Yeah, good good Christmas party. Um, so yeah, let's talk about we, we, we're doing obviously because Kenny's not here. Uh, we, we're just going to do a mini episode, and also because it's international break. So just a kind of whistle stop tour through the weekend action and the upcoming internationals. Uh, let's start off with Derby reflections, shall we, Baz? Um, I remember you saying Charnoglu probably not going to be very impactful on this one. Uh, how did that one turn out for you? Demolition Derby, indeed, and uh, my I was made to. Eat. Well, that yeah, that prediction was correct. I, I was made to <laughs> eat my words, although I did kind of say that now. Now that I've said, I I kind of accuse myself of jinxing Milan, and it worked. Um, Kalinogu came fired up and. 
before a ball was even kicked, he uh, posted on his social media a photo of him wearing both the Milan and the Inter shirts, thus um, getting hated by both sets of fans. It's the player equivalent of a hated half and half exactly. shirt, half and half scarf. Sorry. Exactly. So he did that, and then <laughs> once he came out uh, to warm up, the 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 Milan fans didn't uh, give him any respite. There was whistles, boos, um, all sorts of uh, nasty insults, and then. Um, in the 10th minute, Inter won a highly dubious penalty, I should say, in my opinion, um, when Hakan himself seemed to foul his uh, ex-best friend, Kessie, and then claim a penalty, for, which for some reason the, the referee chose not to go to VAR for, but uh, assigned mm-hmm. a penalty. And then he, um, he stepped up himself to take it, despite not being the official uh, penalty taker. And of course he scored, and then he did the ears to the to he stuck his hand out to do ears under the Milan fans to be honest I have no issue with him doing that specifically because um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic d- did that when he scored against Inter and um, Ronaldo also did it so it's part of the game but at the same time um, Kalianoglu should remember that Milan is not such a large city and that uh, people do know where he lives and uh and also, they they're that's not a threat not, from Scudetto. No, I, I live but. far from Milan, but I'm just saying that people crazier than I, or people who might take football a little bit more seriously, might not quite like his taunts. Um, the positive thing is that Milan also has three or four major uh, hospitals, so at least there's that in Hack, for Hacken's uh, safety. But um, having said that, yeah, that's hope he doesn't end up in any of definitely. I mean, not for yeah. Maybe for the birth of a child or something, something positive. But anyways, um, <laughs> as as we were saying, he, it became the, as I said, it would be his uh, derby, although I thought that it was going to be a negative one for him. His penalty was uh, Milan responded almost immediately with what looked like a Tomori goal, or at the very least Tomori celebrated like he scored. But uh, it turned out to be a Devry on goal. And then um, inexplicably Inter were given another penalty. Yeah, what did you make of that one? It was probably, I'd say, probably more dubious than the first. The first, I can see why it's given. When I saw it live, I thought it was a penalty. I thought that it was a bit of a brash challenge and also the the situation was unnecessary from a Milan perspective. But um, having been sent several replays from various friends, including Kenny, I'm not so sure anymore. But at the same time, again, the referee did not go to VAR. He made the decision. This time, the official penalty kick taker Lautaro stepped up. Fortunately for the red and black half of the city, he missed. And uh, it's actually, there's a bit of a Lautaro issue at um, Inter at the moment because he hasn't scored since the 2nd of October. He's had a lot of shots on target. He's been in a lot of good situations and obviously he had this penalty. But he, he seems to be failing to get on the score sheet. And there was a feeling at uh, Inter that with Lukaku gone, um, Lautaro was supposed to be the guy who kind of stood in the limelight instead Zeko is taking most of the doing a lot of most of the heavy lifting in Inter's attack so I mean that's an interesting dynamic as well because just a few months ago he was being spoken about as a Barcelona target when they still had money and uh, also Spurs and Chelsea so um, I'm not sure if he's not he doesn't he's not liking the Inzaghi tactics or if it's just uh, one of those periods that strikers go through but either way, obviously, it, it cost Inter the game. In the second half, Inter came out very strong and had a lot of chances and probably should have made it uh, 2-1. But uh, as they've done in several games this season, they seem to 
kind of drop off the pace towards the 65th, 70th minute, particularly because of um, Inzaghi's subs. And the Milan then proceeded to kind of dominate the last 10, 15 minutes. And I have to say that Pioli, who's, um, it looks like his contract's going to be renewed soon. So uh, he's being rewarded for the good work he's done. But it, lo- it felt to me like his um, subs were kind of proactive, trying to, he, trying to win the game. He threw on Rebic once uh, Leao was uh, technically a little bit tired. And he seemed to grab the match by the horns. Whereas Inzaghi's subs felt um, reactive, shall we say. I don't know how, again, that, how the, that will play out throughout the season. But I have to say that, uh, once again, I was very impressed with Pioli, even though the team did not play as well as it could have done. Yeah. Ultimately, uh, something I didn't mention earlier, that uh, Lautaro's penalty was not a miss. Well, it was a miss, but... I was surprised that... Substitute keeper, Tata Osanu, who, I mean, most Milan fans, I'd say, don't have too much uh, trust in him. But uh, he got the job done, and it was very impressive, and also to stop the ball right after, so... Kudos to him. Yeah. That's what's really amazing about this Milan run, really, isn't it? Just the amount of kind of difficulties and injuries. You're on your third keeper and he's saving a crucial penalty in the derby. Yeah, and having so. just con- uh, conceded the penalty. So that that was also fresh in his mind. Overall, I have to say that um, I, although I personally wasn't too happy with the refereeing, there was only one card in the whole game and that was for the second penalty. A, a lot of people, people who don't support Milan or Inter, let's say, said that the game was uh, very high-paced, kind of more European, more Champions League, perhaps even more uh, Premier League style, dare I say. So um, mm-hmm. it was a good advert for Italian football, although there were there were only two goals in it in the end. Yeah, and like you say, many positives for Milan, perhaps chief amongst them, that Napoli also dropped points, although maybe you see that also as a bit of a missed opportunity, um, a, a 1-1 draw with Verona for, for them and uh, the late late red card from from Verona, but to have to uh, commend them for holding on, don't we? Yeah, definitely. Their recent run of results has been uh, ridiculous. We mentioned it last week that no team besides Bayern Munich has scored more in Europe since Tudor has taken over. To stop Napoli in Naples was uh, quite a feat, particularly as they were down to 10 men, as you mentioned. I think Verona are going to be... I'm glad that... Uh, They've played Milan now because uh, they're going to be a bogey team for a lot of clubs to come. Yeah. And just like sort of very brief roundup of the other games that we kind of previewed that Juve Fiorentina won. Uh, Juventus did manage to, to win that one 1-0. So maybe we, we owe them a little bit of credit. It was a game that seemed destined to go to end 0-0. And then there was a red card for um, for Fiorentina and that seemed to slightly turn the tide in uh, Juventus's favor, but by no means does it did it feel like Juventus have uh, turned the page on what has been a pretty poor season thus far. Yeah, and uh, obviously Mourinho's kind of meltdown continues <laughs> uh, with Venezia. <laughs> I wonder how long we we're going to say that for. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe we'll discuss it a little bit more later on in the pod. But I think we should we should really focus this on the Italy-Switzerland game now, because as um, we've said before, this is going to be the really the crunch game in the group. It's it's almost like a playoff because they're joint top of the group at the moment. Uh, six games played, 14 points apiece, and the winner of the group automatically qualifies. The second one has to go through quite a difficult qualifying stage. Uh, yeah, it comes at a bit of a difficult time for the Azzurri, doesn't it, Bars? Because there are a few injuries and a few 
few people that are not available. It actually feels like more people have been getting injured in the past uh, few days than, than, than have been injured for Italy in the whole season, dare I say. It's not been the best of build-ups. And uh, this game is, as you mentioned, crucial. And it feels a bit like a playoff before the playoffs. You may remember the game, the reverse fixture where Jorginho missed a penalty, which could eventually cost uh, Italy dearly. That was before he changed his technique, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think he's not doing the little skip anymore, fortunately. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, that that was... Uh, that We could be talking about a whole different scenario right now, had he scored that. Uh, having said that, he wasn't the only person who missed chances in that game. And if you have to bet on a team, I think Italy and Rome are probably... Not probably, they are favorites against Switzerland, no matter what Switzerland throw at Italy. It's a shame that players of the caliber of Insigne, Chiellini, Pellegrini, who's probably the only shining light in Rome at the moment, uh, Bonucci and Verratti will all be missing. I mean, that's pretty much... Uh, you could build like a, a decent top four team with those players in my mind. But um, there, there's still plenty of quality in this Italy side to beat Sw- uh, Switzerland, who are themselves going through a, sl- a slight injury crisis. So not all is lost. Switzerland's manager Murat Yakin uh, threw some uh, petrol on the flames by saying that uh, they were going to... Uh, he basically re- mentioned uh, Sweden beating Italy in the 2017 playoffs. But I think back then, of course, there was a different coach and, dare I say, a bit of a loser. But overall, the mood around the Italy camp was completely different. This time around, I, I, I would like to think that Italy will get the job done. And should they beat Switzerland, then all they need is a... A draw against Northern Ireland away, which should be also be achievable. They only need, you think they only need a draw if they um, if they beat Switzerland. If my calculations are correct, they they need four points from the next um, two games, unless obviously Switzerland drop points as well. So Italy could draw both games if um, Switzerland then draw their next game as well. Right, that makes sense. Because um, I was going to say that as soon as that get that game's to tomorrow, as we. Uh, currently record so on friday night italy versus switzerland and then they go straight away to northern ireland uh, and that one is on monday night uh obviously it yeah, depends on results elsewhere but you'd think they'd, they'd be keen to well to take six points from those two games is probably going to be essential i would have we've thought. mentioned in the past that italy go through kind of a iffy spell historically during september and it as it happened the the games against the the likes of Bulgaria and Switzerland in the first in the first games was in September and let's be honest Italy probably did enough to get the points in those games as well but somehow or other they only got draws again with Italy playing at at home there's no reason for this not to be a a victory yeah for sure just before we break away I just wanted to add that the, with all these players um, missing for Italy there's an opportunity for um, the likes of uh, Danilo Cataldi, who's been very good for Lazio and is a youth product there, as well as uh, Pobega, who is on loan at uh, Torino from Milan to uh, kind of shine through. And something else that i got to say is that um, Barella, or as we like to call him here, Nicholas Stretcher, he he went off uh, with what <laughs> seemed like an injury. In uh, Fortunately, not in a stretcher, but he went off with what seemed like an injury in the derby. But it's now looking likely that he will play. So he's a fundamental player. And uh, it's it's good to know that at least he's going to be there. Yeah, another Conte target. But maybe <laughs> we'll uh, skip the Spurs talk for this week. Um, we should just, 
as I said, we'll be back with a full length episode previewing the all the Serie A fixtures uh, next week. Um, but just a quick bit of news from the league and elsewhere um, that Serie A TV provider Dazen has kind of walked back their proposals to block each subscription to one single device uh, following uproar in Italy. Uh, so that's a bit of good news. Um, pod favourite Zlatan Ibrahimovic back in action for Sweden at age 40. Sadly, they lost 2-0 to Georgia, but um, I understand from a couple of Twitter commentators that he actually played quite well. Uh, Shishenko has been announced as the new Genoa coach. Didn't see that one coming, to be honest. Buzz, did you? I didn't either, but with the new uh, American owners there, I, I'm, I'm not surprised that they're, they've made an ambitious uh, appointment. And also he has connections to the United States with his uh, wife. So perhaps there is some, um, some link there. Yeah, and also a study you've dug out for me here reporting that the top five league of all the top five leagues in Europe, Serie A employs the most foreigners. Um, is that taking over from the Premier League after Brexit? So the Premier League has 59.7%, uh, I believe, and Serie A has got 606 so it's not such a big margin, but still it shows that um, maybe clubs in Italy are less uh, willing to give young Italian players a chance. Okay, and on that note, let's move to good week, bad week. Uh, we've already discussed the excellent form of Verona. I think they're um, a key. Uh, well, they're definitely a front runner for this award. Who else could we possibly give it to? Spezia also won. Juve for managing to beat Fiorentina in what we flagged as a key game. But it doesn't. It feels like it, it has to be Verona, really, doesn't it? I think Verona deserve all the plaudits, particularly because they switched manager halfway through the season, and usually that doesn't spell. Um success yeah and uh bad week now i know you spoiled the magic of good week bad week um a couple of weeks ago so that we discussed it before so me and Burrs have actually discussed that we're going to give this to jose Mourinho instead of giving it to a club mainly because kenny's not here to enforce the rules and uh, the reason is because he refused the golden to peer again and we think he deserves it. So we're going to force him to have the Scudetto Bad Week Award. We'll show up at his doorstep with a golden golden <laughs> crusted uh, Scudetto Award and see see if he reacts to that. But uh, yeah, he's having, as you mentioned earlier, a complete meltdown in Rome. And um, the results have been awful. Just one win in seven, I believe. But uh, his entire demeanor and the way he's uh, behaving himself is, is shocking. And unfortunately, the Roma fans are going along with him for now. And on that note... Let's go to keeping up with the Italians. As this is a shortened episode, I'm going to try and rush this one. But uh, Dario Del Fabio, who seemingly is perennially on loan out from Juventus, was named in the Belgian League's Team of the Week this week. So well done to him. Angelo Gbona of West Ham, unfortunately, is out for the season with a cruciate in- ligament injury. Um, there was talks of him coming back to the Italy setup. So sad news. Coach Vanni Santini, who took over halfway through the season for the Vancouver Whitecaps, with the team in deep crisis, got the franchise into the playoffs, so good on him. Uh, the Zerbi's Shakhtar got, went top of the league in Ukraine this week. And uh, like every Milan fan's worst nightmare, Fabio Borini set up a Bertolacci goal, albeit in Turkey, in a 1-1 draw with Galatasaray. Staying in Turkey, um, Stefano Kaka scored, and he's now currently the top goal scorer in the Turkish league. Yeah, this, should, uh, this section should maybe be renamed just keeping up with the Italians in Turkey. <laughs> Seems to be majority. There, there is a lot of Italians in Turkey, it turns out. Every time. Right, let's skip on to the honourables and dishonourables. And I want to start with one for Napoli and Milan, representing Italian football by being the joint 
and only unbeaten teams in the top European leagues. So in the world, in the world, the only unbeaten teams everywhere in the, in the universe. World. I don't know about that. I didn't check these stats. Pro- professional leagues only, or I think there's an unbeaten team in my five-a-side league. A week. I don't know. Top top Europe top leagues. Let's go over that. <laughs> top, top leagues. Okay. Um, you your social media honorable. Guys? I'm giving a honorable to Fiorentina's TikTok team um, who posted a video of the aforementioned uh, red card in the Juventus Fiorentina game, and they used the sound of a uh, Italian diver. Tanya Cagnotto's one of her dives and so there's a big splash as Chiesa goes to the ground. Very amusing and they took it down quite quite quickly, presumably, because they were scared of fines. I've got also a, a social media honourable, or actually it's a social media dishonourable and it's for Arta Tiate's social media manager. Uh, looks like they were logged in to the wrong account uh, when they tweeted. Bad day, disappointed for letting down the team and fans today. We'll be back after the international break. Then the uh, hashtag for the team of Simon Mignolet. <laughs> uh, it was promptly deleted and then posted on Simon Mignolet's account. So it's so uh, genuine. Yeah, I mean, that's a clear dishonorable. Definitely. Uh, what else do we have? Uh, an eight-year-old warming heart. This one is for the eight-year-old uh, striker for Cantera Napoli called Emanuele, who scored a goal and uh, when prompted slightly by his manager... He ran over to the opposing manager and hugged him. The opposing manager had just lost his mom and it was kind of a nice gesture in a game which is usually taken so seriously. It was nice to see rivals kind of together on the pitch, let's say. Yeah, that is nice to see. Um, And speaking of nice gestures, I think we should give one to the Milan fans and their first banner, uh, which was for the, I guess, all of the kind of frontline sort of first responders to COVID-19. And just, you know, first Derby back since the pandemic. I think that was a, was a, a nice gesture. Unfortunately, Baz, I think you have to give them a dishonorable for the, the next banner they decided to bring out. Yeah, the, the next day, the Milan Curva set out a banner in Milan that said uh, scoring a penalty in the 10th minute of a, of a match is easy. Going home to an un- unfaithful wife is not so easy. Um, alluding to Kalinoglu's wife, I don't know much about the story, but... I think when you start bringing people's uh, wives and families in, it becomes a little bit too much. And also, let's keep the TIFO to the stadium and kind of move on with life. This comes after me saying that there's uh, everyone knows where he lives. But yeah, um, can we we just be friends? Maybe not friends, but let's let's not uh, bring people's families into the mix. Yeah, certainly a bit distasteful and uh, deserved dishonorable. So just to, to lighten the mood a little bit, I'd like to uh, end the podcast by giving a dishonorable to Antonio Conte um, for thoroughly unpatriotic behavior, I would say. Um, this is the reports that Conte has banned pizza from the Spurs training ground in an effort to get the players into better shape. But surely as an Italian, you need to be uh, introducing a healthier healthier type of pizza rather than just banning it out right that's what i was going to say maybe he's banning like a specific type of pizza like the the chain pizza you know the, the stuff that's not real pizza by italian standards yeah well if that's the case then i'll be happy to retract but um also i i wonder what it's like to be a spurs player and be and like this guy shows up and you're like all right you can't have ketchup you can't have this you can't have pizza do they do they react positively is it some is it like does it ruin their lives i'm sure deli ali is like oh, what am I going to do now? Yeah, well, I remember one day Ramos, a 
former Spurs manager was absolutely crucified for I think was he he didn't let Tom Huddleston have any mayonnaise or something like that. And they, they, this was obviously the sign of like a hardline manager who was out of touch with the players. But now it's Conte doing it. Everyone's happy about it. Anyway, we we digress into talking about Spurs as usual, and Kenny's not even here. Uh, so I think that's time to wrap up the podcast. Um, thanks for joining me, Baez. I think you're once again the only podcast with a hundred percent record this season. Yeah, so well no, done. No injuries yet. I'm I'm like the Javier Zanetti of uh, of Scudetto. <laughs> yeah. um, and thanks, of course, to our listeners. And if you don't already, please do subscribe to our podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your audio. We'll be back next week. Until then, enjoy the football. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.